0: it's 2021 everybody and it's time for a new start and i think it's a great time to look at your brand look at your marketing look at your positioning look at your visuals um you know take a fresh look at them i think we all have this opportunity to have that fresh fresh eyes fresh start new enthusiasm um and and a renewed sense of purpose for what really matters
1: Welcome to Traction Bill, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with my co host, Benj Miller. And today we have a shining, shining star from the great state of Georgia. She's an author, a marketing strategist, a daughter, and she's the daughter to a very famous guy that's very well known inside the EOS community. Laura Reese, welcome to Traction Bill
0: what an introduction yes we all wear a lot of hats and uh, I'm I'm very proud of all of them especially my uh, my partnership with my father Al Reese that's been a a pleasure to to work with my mentor my dad and of course the father of positioning so great thanks
1: yeah and and it's you know Gino Whitman who's the creator founder of the entrepreneurial operating system and and the author of Traction and, and multiple Traction books. Um, I don't know when he discovered uh, your dad or the book, but he is baked in, your your dad's words are baked into our system. And so there is this really cool relationship that maybe you didn't even know existed, but Benjamin and I are super excited to have you on today. Well, well, thank you so
0: much. You know, we are celebrating, um, you know, the first book of, of Al's, along with his then partner, uh, Jack Trout, Positioning, the Battle for Your Mind, that really put them on the map and really changed the way we think about communications, that it's not just about communicating out, but it's about owning something in the mind. Um, and so it, what's a, so fun, actually, over these 40 years is hearing from people that we didn't know or we haven't really met, but there were influenced by the book and used it to do something in their own life and to, to make, um you know, things better for other people. And, you know, many of them we know about, many of them have then later become our clients or our friends, but we still learn 40 years later, we still hear from people every day with this, this, this terrific message. And so, you know, the legacy of, of the ideas from positioning and focus and the fall of advertising to the rise of PR, many of these Have really become very influential um and helped other people which you know is just a a great joy of of the work that we've done and and the things that we've been able to contribute
1: i I gotta ask when you joined Reese reese, when you joined the firm yeah was it a little intimidating
0: um, it was, of course. I mean, you know, my dad was, you know, intimidating. You know, when you got to, you know, it's always funny as a kid, you know, your your parents are your parents. And that at some point you realize that, you know, there are other people <laughs> in the world as well. And uh, for me, you know, to go to an event and an audience where people were cheering for my dad and thousands in attendance and to see him on stage or on television, um was was, you know, it was it was eye-opening. But at the same time, he's so wonderful because he always took the time for me in terms of talking about principles and marketing and um would take me to the office and, you know, just was was really so generous in in taking the time to to teach me. Um, and to listen to me, um, and all those things that really did, um, while well, it was, you know, intimidating to be a very young kid in a, a meeting with, um, at that time, mostly older white men, <laughs> um, and, you know, and to see the changes over the decades, and and to come into my own to, to be a leader in that room. Yeah. Um, I was never a shy kid. I always, you know, spoke up at meetings, which <laughs> maybe um, other people were like, who is that kid? <laughs> um, but that was, uh, that was wonderful. And uh, yeah. it was, it was definitely very interesting. It sure
2: served did. you really, really well. Uh, I'm, I'm struck by what you, the, the original idea of positioning, right? The thing that first put you guys on the map, you know, put him in front of these huge audience it's such a hard thing for us to do as owners. And maybe it's because we're too, like we're inside the jar and can't read the label, but how, how can you give us some pointers, some tips? How do we find that thing that we can own in the marketplace?
0: Sure. Yeah. No. It's um. It, it's not easy to to do to yourself, right? Sometimes. Um. And you know why it is helpful to talk to your to your customers or a consultant or a friend. Um. You know to to see how others perceive you. It is perception, not reality, that matters. And when you're the founder of a company or the CEO of a company, you're dealing in reality every day. The real numbers, the real product, the real factories. But what really matters is the perception and the perception of what the consumer, uh, potential consumer, the media has of you. And you have to deal and control that. Um, And I think some company leaders are so angered with, well, the reality is different. The Genesis is a terrific car. I know, but nobody wants to pay $60,000 for a car made by Hyundai. I don't care (laughs) the perception uh, you know originally that was was sold out of you know the hyundai dealership says right. you know it, it didn't work oh uh, volkswagen tried the same thing with the phaeton the hundred thousand dollar volkswagen um those are critical simple mistakes that are easy to identify if you understand how the mind works how owning a position works, and, and importantly too, the idea of category is increasingly important. Um, the the understanding that, that that a brand, you know, the the goal of a brand is to really dominate a category, um, and when you go into other categories, is where you can easily get into trouble.
1: I love the owning the position. Can we can we go a little deeper there? That's what yeah. we all want, right? I mean, <laughs> we want that top spot, but like, <laughs> it's not easy. It's
0: not easy, and um, you know, in general, the the theory is uh, the, the theories are simple. They're they're hard to put into practice, but the theory is simple. Um, if you are first in a new category, not just in the marketplace, but in the mind of the consumer, that's an incredibly powerful thing. It generally leads to you being the leader, and that's where you dominate and own that position. Think about Red Bull, what they did. Um, you know, This is a high-priced, terrible-tasting product in a little can with a lot of caffeine and vitamins. But what did they do? They built that position of a new category called energy drink. Right, and they 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 did that through through PR, through word of mouth, um, and they built that dominant position. Now the question is, what do you do to compete against them? And what most people did was they try to be better. And you know, at the peak of you know launch of Red Bull um, when it took off, and it took off very slowly. It took ten years to reach a hundred million dollars. People have to remember patience is important here. Um, but after it got to a hundred million. Everybody from Coca-Cola to everybody with some you know, seed capital jumped in. A thousand energy drinks were launched in one year. They all tried to be better. They all copied the can. They all said it had a high energy name. None of them were successful because you can't win by being better. You win by being different. And that's because of the mind. You've got to be the opposite of Red Bull. And there was one brand that did that. We probably all know the name, right? It's called Monster. And Monster did the opposite in a very kind of trivial way, or you might say, is they did a 16 ounce can. (laughs) Was it better? I don't know. It was different. Uh, And of course, they had the the name that went along with it to drive in the idea of the large can Monster. Um, And and so that's the idea of of positioning um, that, that people need to think. And so if there is competition out there, you don't try to be better you try to be different um you know for look at mercedes benz you know the, the leading luxury brand right that they created dominated the market bmw was the opposite by being the ultimate driving machine versus what they said the ultimate sitting machine right it was more feel the road and you know they went on to to have much much success when doing that
2: i do there's some magic in there with the combination of owning the position but also the, the consciousness of the niche or the market that you're playing in how do those work hand in hand
0: well you know certainly the, the other incredibly important thing is that the brand is 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 tied to the category once it uh, has a position in the mind it's very difficult to change now if you're not in the mind you can change all you want but once you've built that brand in the mind It's very, very difficult to make any any changes to it.
2: Is creating a new category typically a good idea or a bad idea then?
0: Well, creating a new category is the the future of life. (laughs) I mean, that was what Darwin said. We wrote a book called The Origin of Brands to identify just that. The good thing for every young kid out there is there's always opportunities. There's always opportunities because there's always new categories out there being developed. Um, and there's also the fact that the, that the older companies are not always as smart about seeing them and not always as you know, risky in terms of trying to build a new brand to take advantage of them. Uh, they do like Kodak did and they launch Kodak Digital Science right, and launch a Kodak Digital Camera. <laughs> That's not the, the, the way to, to, to own the future. Um, you'd have to do it with a new brand. Um, so there's, there's, and you see that in, you know, the companies that, that come out like, you know, Red Bulls, a small entrepreneur took that idea out of a product that was popular in just Thailand, right? Uber and, and Zoom and all of these aren't from big established companies. Um, it's entrepreneurs that, that see these, the, the thing about a new category is you're saying, I want to build a brand. I want to build a business on something that has zero dollars today. You take that idea to Coca-Cola and they say, forget it. We're not going into any market that isn't currently over a hundred million dollars. Right. You know, as a big company, that's it's probably <laughs> their systems aren't set up to handle that. <laughs> that slow, what we call, you know, when a brand gets off the ground, it's like a plane getting off the runway. It, it takes some time and it takes a hundred and ten percent of power. And you need to be incredibly focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that, that's, that's the great news out there is that, um, you know, new categories are certainly uh, the future um, and being able to see them, we see it most often coming from entrepreneurs.
1: As Laura mentioned earlier, you don't win by being better. You win by being different. So what makes your company different? If you're for everyone, you're for no one. With the volume of information you're exposed to each day, the power of your marketing lies in the potency of the message and the precision of the audience. Have you defined your unique audience? Do you have a unique message to that audience? Or are you just blending in with the noise? Syrup is the brand marketing agency that grows B2B companies in revenue and maturity, helping you by finding your unique message and audience. Visit syrupmarketing.com for more information.
2: Laura, I want to move to your latest two books that, that yeah. you've written on your own. And I'm staring at them in poster form behind you. They are visually very attractive. They draw you in. But let's talk about the first one, The Visual Hammer. Yeah. What is that? Why does it matter? How do we get it for ourselves?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, The Visual Hammer. You know, when you talk about, um, you know, the basic principle, fundamental principle of, of all of our work is, is narrowing the focus so that you can own an idea or a word in the mind, whether, you know, it's the category or it's some subset of the category, like driving for a BMW or, you know, large size energy drink for a monster, right? So the, the end goal is owning a word. But how do you get that word in the mind? What gets people's attention? What sparks emotion? Um, And that's visuals. Visuals are incredibly powerful at doing all of these things in in a very emotional and memorable way. So if you can create a position that then lends itself to a visual that you can use over and over again across your communication, you're going to have a fantastic one-two punch. It's what we call the nail and the hammer. The nail is say the word for for BMW, it's driving, right? But it was the hammer of the commercials showing that visual of the cars driving on winding roads and the consistency, of course, of that message over, you know, not just months or years, but decades. Mm -hmm. Um, For Coca-Cola, it's that iconic, you know, glass bottle visual hammer, or even, you know, these days you think... Target. I mean, to see that visual in retail, incredibly important. Or even like on an app. I mean, that's the 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 environment that we're driving by today, right? It's on our phones and scrolling through our screens. You know, what kind of visual is going to be memorable and stop you? Um, and that that target. You know, obviously they've got a name that lent itself to a visual, and they use it very very effectively. That simplistic, um, beautiful target symbol.
2: Yeah, this is a world that I love and live in and have for a couple decades along with you and I love how you said it's really about the emotion of the whole thing Mm -hmm. and having that one visual icon element brand mark logo that invokes all the emotion that you would want the audience to have but so often we're like yeah that looks cool let's go with that you know you see (laughs) these companies like well we had our assistant create this in word and we've used it for 20 years and never thought about it again Um, and i feel like they're just missing such a huge opportunity
0: it's a huge opportunity the use of visuals in marketing is a huge missed opportunity i mean you look at most marketing books marketing presentations marketing reports and why would you talk about visuals you know, it, it's left for some, you know, graphic logo, you know, project and never thought about again sometimes, or it's willy-nilly changed. Let's just rip up the old logo and start over. And, you know, you confuse everybody because people, I mean, look what happened when Tropicana changed their packaging. They went from a, a very emotional straw in the orange that communicated the not-concentrate can idea to the, the words on the package. It was a disaster. I mean, it was so bad. Consumers complained, not just the marketing people that said it was stupid. Consumers felt violated that you took their brand away from them. Yeah. And the basic, like you said, why are emotionals important or why are they effective? It comes down to you have one mind, but you have two brains. You have a right brain and a left brain, and they're different. Yeah, the left brain is very rational, and, and you know, reason, right? And, and the right brain is the side of the emotions, and also where you process visuals. And so, when you can have something together where you have you know, the the rational verbal word and the picture working together, you have an even more important, more memorable position because you can see how words and pictures communicate differently. Think about the word "baby" typed in, you know, Microsoft Word uh, versus the picture of a baby. I mean, oh, you know, even though they say the same thing, um, they don't communicate in the same way. Yeah. So, if a company is just relying on words in, in, in Microsoft Word, it's not going to be as effective as if you can add pictures to that. Now, the problem is. What if you have words that don't translate to pictures? Yes. Yeah. What does What does UPS say? We're synchronizing the world of e commerce. How the uh, are you gonna visualize that? I can visualize that. Most companies have ridiculous, you know, slogans. They call it positioning statements, right? That we're a great company to serve lots of people of you know great products at nice prices. You know, they're things that can never possibly be. Um, you know, v- visualized in, in a, a powerful way. So when you find one, um, you know, you can see how powerful it is from, you know, Colonel Sanders to even the Twitter bird. I mean, look how how nicely that that visual has helped that brand. And of course, you know, people forget he started with a very narrow focus, a 140 character blog at a time where, you know, there were no limits on anybody else. Yeah. And they started just one thing to get them off the ground. Yeah,
1: yeah. For, for, for our listeners out there who are a, a mix of entrepreneurs around the world, actually, um, if you if if any of our listeners are out there are you know they're they're well established, um, they own a position, right? Yeah. When do you start to think about rebranding? A refresh.
0: Well, um, that's a good question. Um, there's, there's a couple considerations. Um, you know, what's the state of our category? <laughs> how, how are things, how are things going? Right. <laughs> is, is this, you know, a, a category on the rise <laughs> or, yeah. you know, is, is this a category having problems? Um, you know, is everyone talking a, a, about, you know, zoom meetings and video conferencing or, you know, are, are, are we, you know, traditional photography that are, you know, nobody wants to hear about That's a a key consideration. The other is, you know, the competition. Um, You know, people many times think about themselves in a vacuum about what our company does and our products and our services and me, me, me. That's right. you know, it's not just it, it, it definitely has to do with who the competition is and, and what they're doing. And, and most of the best um, programs, like I talked earlier about is being different and the opposite of the position. So as more strongly you can make that difference. Right. Scope was the good tasting mouthwash. Is that because that was a good idea? No, because Listerine tasted so awfully bad. (laughs) And actually they saw that as their strength, right? Right. It, It tasted bad. That's why it worked. Um, but they, you know, took the spin of the opposite, or you know, the classic Mac versus Apple, right? Yeah. One's creative and one's more business oriented and nerdy, um, and how they've played off of those positions and strengthened their own as a result. Now, when it comes to a, a total refresh, um, you know, you got to be careful. You know, you have to understand how strong is that current brand in the mind and how. How closely do people feel towards it? Yeah. Um, I think you've seen, you look at things like Pepsi that has made pretty dramatic changes to their brand over the years. And I think that's, that's watered down how the strength people feel towards it. Um, and I think it's weakened their, their power, if you will. Uh, making too many too many changes for a brand that is so well known, um, it is very difficult. Now, you know, Twitter's made very subtle changes. You know, it, it's not that they, they went from a bird to a duck. <laughs> I mean, they just kind of changed the angle and and you know, slight things always have to be done. Little yeah. nip and I mean, not that I would know, but a uh, little nip and tuck here. You know, those things are absolutely necessary.
2: Sure. That's uh, I always ask that question. Do you do you need a reinvention or just an evolution do we need to evolve this a little or is this like tear it down to the foundation and build it back up again because a lot of times even even you know what what pepsi did do is they kept their colors, right? Their colors have never changed. So they tried to keep it, you know, you could argue that it's an evolution.
0: Were they, were they, well, no, that's, well, yes and no, but if you, if if that's an interesting story actually, in terms of design. Come because, on,
2: give it to us. Oh yes,
0: no, I'm getting excited. Now, well, the original was like that white can with, like you said, they did have the red and the blue. And from a design aspect, the multi-use of colors is beautiful. It's not as memorable. Single Mm. colors, and that's a key part of Visual Hammer, the use of a single color is much more memorable. That's what Coke has with red. Pepsi realized that they were more attractive, but not as memorable, particularly when you looked at signage and umbrellas and all the things that, you know, incredibly important to their brand. And what they did a couple decades ago is they went all blue. They actually hired, they painted the Concord when there was a Concord, uh, they painted it blue and, and flew. I can't remember if they flew to London or flew back to New York, but they changed the can to all blue. And actually that was probably a good idea because again, then, Red Red was for Coke and blue was for Pepsi, but then, you know, they made some other changes that I think, you know, maybe one too many changes too quickly, Uh, but that blue was a big direction. Another interesting thing you see today um, is brands, two of which um, I can think of off the top of my head is um, what Pizza Hut has done and what Burger King has done. You know, both of them had gone to modernize their logo over the past, you know, decade or so, or Burger King, a couple of decades, right? And they both have gone back to the original, Yeah, right? Yeah. They've got, you know, there's something um, beautiful and authentic about those original logos. I don't know why they ever changed it in the first place. Yeah. But, you know, I imagine some, you know, CMO came in and wanted to razzle-dazzle sure. and hire an agency, um, but, you know, going back to that, you know, what they call sometimes the throwback logo, um, you know, resonates with people because, you know, those original logos were powerful. um, And those maybe should never have been changed to begin with. Um, And I think you can see that.
2: All right, so before we move on, I wanna move on to the battle cry. Uh, But before we do, I wanna give Tractionville a very tangible step that they can take away. Um, Laura kind of called this out. So go and create a, a slide doc, a word doc, whatever it is, I want you to put your logo right in the middle of it I want you to put all your competitors' logos around it, and I want you to be honest with yourself. Does it stand out? Do you own anything? Does it evoke emotion? Do you own a color? Um, A lot of good things to take away and self-evaluate right there. So I'm going to move us to the battle cry. We've got our visual hammer, that logo mark, that symbol that represents what we're about, the category, the emotion. What's our battle cry?
0: Well, your your battle cry is the way you verbalize it, and in particular, how, and how um, people can actually use it in real language to talk to their friends and neighbors. That's incredibly important. as well as, um, again, let's not forget. Part of the mar- importance of marketing is not just externally. Uh, increasingly, it's important internally: how to get your own employees, leaders, potential future employees excited about the brand and be able to be great ambassadors for your for your company. Um, so, you know, that battle cry is that you know that slogan that we're waving. Um, You know, that's why, you know, great revolutions always had. I mean, that's where the word comes from, having a a battle car. What are we fighting for, people? What are we fighting for? Um, You know, it used to be for Volvo. We're fighting for safety in vehicles. And we're doing everything we can to make the safest, ugliest cars possible. Um, and, And listen, that's not funny. I mean, having sexy cars is the opposite of what the Volvo brand should be doing. They should make, you know, we want them uglier, you know? Um, you know, cause people felt, you know, it was the, the old Volkswagen Beetle. I mean, that was, you know, a, a big part of the brand. They were small, ugly, and reliable. <laughs> Um, And, you know, that was in contrast to the big gas guzzling, you know, other cars um, that at the time people felt, you know, were preferable Um, and they they did the opposite. And and that had a very unique look of looking different. Many companies are afraid to look different. Mm. (laughs) Um, And so it it is a, a great advantage. Sometimes it can be in the product or packaging itself where you find these things. Um, like the palm wonderful pomegranate juice package. You know, they went out of their way to, to spend more money on that. But the visibility, uh, again, incredibly important. How can you stand out? It's not easy. Um, and you got to think about every, every, you know, every possible <laughs> angle you can use to your advantage, whether it's a single color, whether it's a package, uh, whether it's a visual and and the the people themselves, let's not forget the importance of um, today that the founder, um, the CEO is an incredibly important part of that story to, to talk about um, and to to be the spokesperson and, and to drive that battle cry out as well to the, the, the repeating of it, if you will.
2: Before we wrap up, will you give us a ex- couple examples of a few of the battle cries that you just love that you think they do a great job?
0: Well, there's a, there's a few linguistic things you can put into a battle cry to help it be memorable. Um, And when you, again, when you have that position, you're trying to drive in, they worked horrifically together. Um, One of them is from, in terms of packaging, um, if it fits, it ships. (laughs) right for for sending for sending things through the postal service right so if you got that box if it fits it ships i mean that again is a, a terrific way to remember that you just got to fit it in the box doesn't matter you know how heavy it is <laughs> if it fits it's going to ship um again to to reinforce an idea it's not very exciting but it was very effective and very memorable what little caesar's did um in the pizza market now you know Pizza Hut was everything. Domino's was delivery. Little Caesars was pickup, right? Just takeout, no delivery. And it was cheaper. But how do you say that? Well, what they said, pizza, pizza, pizza. Two pizzas for the price of one. Again, you have a very memorable promotion. Oh, yeah. You focused, right? You didn't offer all the other stuff. Now the focus to give yourself the position and then say it in a very pizza, pizza, right? Uh, Very nice. Uh, Again, going back to the Burger Wars of of McDonald's versus Burger King, and they had a terrific battle cry. It was broiling, not frying. I mean, the power that that Burger King had, that they were, you know, the broiling versus, yuck, frying of the McDonald's. That was a a very, very powerful idea. And again, being the opposite of the leader. I mean, you could say they were the original better better burger chain, um, but, you know, instead of focusing on burgers for many years, they were more interested in breakfast and chicken and expanding and putting in, um, you know, playgrounds and copying McDonald's. They had playgrounds and, and you yeah. know, kitty meals. Instead of, we always said, let's elevate. You know, kitties, go to kitty land. When you're ready for the adult taste of Burger King, maybe we'll let you in, you right. know, <laughs> broiling, not frying for the adults. And of course, I'll leave you with my favorite, and, and you can never, you know, underestimate the power of a good double entendre. I always love a good double entendre, and, and my favorite is, of course, the De Beers: "A diamond is forever." Um, you know, anyone who is in love <laughs> would love a diamond to represent that love. Um, they're they're beautiful, they're sparkly, they're the the hardest substance, and they they represent um, a love that lasts forever. And so that's a great way to, you know, again, think about this is a rather modern invention, this idea of giving a diamond ring, um, but they have made it uh, the symbol of anyone who wants to have that forever partnership together.
2: Laura, this has been packed full of wisdom and advice and challenges for Tractionville out there. Um, I want to give you the opportunity as we wrap uh, I just love to ask an open-ended question. What's on your heart? One piece of wisdom, encouragement, uh, advice that you would want to give out there to the leaders leading these entrepreneurial companies?
0: Well, I think um, listen, we're all coming out of a, a very tough time and a long year, and uh, it's it's 2021, everybody. Uh, And it's time for a new start, and I think it's a great time to look at your brand, look at your marketing, look at your positioning, look at your visuals. Um, You know, take a fresh look at them. I think we all have this opportunity to have that fresh, fresh eyes, fresh start, new enthusiasm, um, and and a renewed sense of of purpose for what really matters. Um, and, And what really matters is building strong, impactful brands that can lead to very, you know, healthy companies that can you know, deliver for their customers, for their employees, and for the world. Um, so I, I feel, you know, really great things uh, about the future and, uh, you know, importantly, about how the, the role of positioning and focus will be an important thing for companies to to keep in mind. And I think uh, we're seeing a lot of that and that that is a great thing.
2: Yes. Tractionville, I want you to drop us a line. Let us know what you're going to take away from this conversation, what you're going to go look at, work on, improve. And I want to leave you with a quote from Laura from this conversation do not be afraid to look different. We'll see you next week for Tractionville Tuesday.